This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom. Righteously American. A little bit of news, an average amount of news, maybe a smidgen of news, but not in today's high-paced, fast-paced situation. With the advent of impeachment hysteria and everything else that's going on nationally, we have a ton of content for you today. We're going to talk about the new refugee caps that the Trump administration has placed um, for 2020. Of course, people are losing their minds about that. They they don't appreciate um, having a president who's looking out for the American people. And I am not against refugee resettlement. I, it, it's not that I don't think we have room in our country for people who are coming from war-torn lands. Actually, it's the opposite. I believe we do have space here. I believe that it's something that we're called to do. And I'm always happy to know that we have so many people in this country who are generous and want to participate in that. But that being said, it has to be within reason, and the people that we're bringing here have to be vetted, and we have to know that they're coming here for that purpose, to make a new life. And honestly, I hate the refugee resettlement, uh, just the whole, the way they discuss that, the way they make it seem as if, if you're traveling by plane to a country that's on another continent, that's refugee resettlement, as opposed to really we're taking people who are in war-torn countries who deserve an opportunity to resettle someplace that's safe and we're bringing them here, but they're not refugees. Once you pass that first country that's adjacent to your own, that shares a contiguous border, you're no longer a refugee. And I, I, I believe words have meaning and I, I'm going to hold to that. I'm not going to stop telling the truth about that. Um, so we're, we're going to discuss that. Of course, the title of today's show is all about Joe Biden and how he bribed Biden is actually going to be investigated. Finally, we're a year late, I think, maybe more, but that's okay. That, that's, that's okay. I mean, seriously, if you, if you stop for a second and you think about would you rather it not happened at all, um, I would rather it had happened when it was fresh, when it was news, when I don't care who was the president at the time. If he was the vice president and he was doing this kind of stuff, he should have been investigated then. But I'll take it now. I'll take what I can get. As an American taxpayer, uh, these people who are currently in Washington are conditioning us, all of us, taxpayers, um, you know, if you're a tax refund receiver, whatever whatever part of the tax burden you're in, we have been conditioned by Washington, D.C. to kind of see ourselves as someone who will just take what we can get. Um, justice delayed, well, we'll still take it. Um, so I want to see the investigation brought to fruition. And there are some, we're going to discuss on the show today, there are some who are saying that the entire story about Joe Biden really hinges upon the fact that there are people in the Democratic Party who don't want him there, and therefore they are going to do everything that they can to make sure that he is not the nominee. They want Elizabeth Warren because they want the first female president, and demographics means more to them than electability. And so if they run Elizabeth Warren and uh, Donald Trump tars and feathers her and eats her lunch and you know handily defeats her, they'll cry election fraud and they'll say, the Electoral College or the popular vote or whatever part fails them, they'll blame that. They won't blame the fact that they ran a flawed candidate who had no chance of winning. And so we have to we have to be cognizant of that and know that that's where they're going. But it's an interesting time because um, you would think that there would be a groundswell among Americans around a candidate, not because she's a woman, but because she's the best candidate for the job. And then that that would bring about the kind of change they're looking for. But they were able to do it with Barack Obama, who was not, he was not the one who was supposed to be the first black president. I can tell you that now. As sure as I'm sitting here permanently tanned, he wasn't supposed to be the one. So he was elected, just pure popularity contest, et cetera, et cetera. And because of that, so many Americans are now conditioned. And I don't mean clear thinking Americans like you and I. No, I'm talking about Americans who really everything in their life is partisanship. 
Um, Americans have been conditioned to believe that what we have to do is be, I don't know, I don't want to be rude. It's Friday, but really all that matters is like they say, gender isn't between your legs. It's what, what's between your ears. It, it, electability and competence aren't what's between your ears. It's what people see in you when they first approach you, when they first see you. Do they see a black person? Do they see a white person? Do they see a man? Do they see a woman? And because of that, that is uh, what makes you electable. That's what makes you the candidate or not the candidate. So uh, we'll we'll delve into a lot of these different issues. Um, we'll talk about the whistleblower complaint and, and the source of it. Um, it was actually written by a law firm. So when's the last time in, in history and in civics, when have you ever heard of a whistleblower who had the complaint that they were bringing drawn up by a law firm. Now you're probably thinking, well, where'd you get that from? I'm getting it from Jay Sekulow. That's who Jay Sekulow is the one who's talking about this right now. And we're going to get into that as well. Um, but I want to first, let me, I'm just checking the live streams to make sure that we have live stream capability here. Okay, good. Live streams are up. Hello. Hi people. Um, and, and also I want to, uh, alert you to double check the podcast site, listen.stacyonright.com. I posted some bonus content over there for you. It's the um, Dave Glover Think Tank. Remember I was on there? So that's on there for you. So you can listen to that over the weekend or whenever. I'll just a little bit of uh, kind of bonus makeup content because I was off last week. And um, when I went online and I saw that it was posted, I was like, hey, I should download this and share it. And then, of course, I want to continue to pump up our new bit of information that we are going to be sharing next week. We have an announcement for you guys, and I'm so excited, um, but I can't tell you what it is just yet, but I just want to make sure that you know that it's coming. It's coming. It's coming, baby. So don't 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 think I'm, I, I'm sleeping on you or that I lied. I did not. I told you the truth. I have an announcement. I will tell you what it is as soon as I'm allowed to. So um, let's first, I had a bit of audio for you yesterday and we weren't able to play. We, we just didn't get to it because we had so much content. So I'm going to start off with that and then we're going to move through. I have a ton of content for you. So hold on. Based on everything we saw, the actions on the part of Democrats yesterday, I have to very plainly ask you the question, has the president committed any impeachable offenses? The president has done nothing wrong. We have said that time and time again. And the problem with this is you have a a Democrat party with a complicit and compliant media. Whatever they say, the media will parrot without fact checking it, without going to multiple sources. They run with it. And here's why. The sad part is they want it to be true so badly that they'll manufacture a crisis. They'll manufacture a news story just to try and attack the president. so that's White House Deputy Press Secretary Hogan Gidley, and he's talking about this. This we're we're in the middle, midst of a, a phenomenon that's a man-made, man-created phenomenon. It doesn't have anything to do with wrongdoing by the president. We actually had Adam Schiff come out and basically make up a script. This is if and, and don't think this doesn't happen at our house, especially. Um, sometimes I'll say the story I'm telling in my head is, and then I'll just start off on a story, and it it, it let's. You guys are probably wondering, why would you do that? Let's say I come into the kitchen and I know that last night was, let's say, my daughter's night to do the kitchen and she doesn't do the kitchen. And so I come in and I see that the kitchen is undone and that is like not, that's not okay at our house. And so I'll say the, to- the story I'm telling myself in my head is that aliens came down and kidnapped Maddie and that's why the kitchen didn't get done last night. Or maybe she was supposed to wash the dog or maybe I said I was going to do something and, and it didn't happen. And then other people in our family will come in and chime in and finish the story. And we just started doing this recently Um, because I had a friend who pointed me to a website where the lady said one way to communicate with people is to say, the story I'm seeing in my head is, and that takes the pressure off of you saying, why did you so-and-so? And so we do this thing where we're telling the story and people add in. So, you know, that's cool at my house. Like, in fact, that is so much fun at my house. Like you're sitting there at home and you're making up stories and everyone's laughing and you're just feeling like, I love you people. And they're like, we love you too. It's like so cool, right? Well, is that okay for us to do at our house? I'm going to say, yeah. Um, But I just want to know from you guys, do you expect people who are paid $170,000 a year to sit around and make up stories and scripts and then while other people are under oath, they get up before the cameras and say this stuff to the cameras so that CNN can actually, you know, actually make like what Schiff shared was what the president said to the president of the Ukraine. I just I want to know if that's something that like I'm not down with it. I think it's absolutely crazy. So 
that's not okay for them to do that. But that's what that's what Schiff did. And the president is calling for him to resign or be removed from office. And he every, he has every right to do that. He lied about the president and what the president said. And now he's saying it was a parody. But since when do members of Congress or members of the Senate have the right to parody what the president has said before the cameras? That went out all over the world. That went out to CNN. And, and let me just say to you, if you've ever traveled abroad, you know you can get into these political discussions with foreigners. And foreigners watch CNN and they think that's news. They, they're not aware of, quote unquote, fake news on the large like we are. They're not plugged in enough to know that in addition to reading what's on CNN and MSNBC, you have to read Fox News because you need a balanced perspective. You have to then from Fox News head over to the other blogs. You don't just read the links on Drudge. You also go to Christian Daily Reporter, LifeZet, WayneDupree.com. You go to those websites and you read what they have. You go to Twitter and you see what people are talking about there. And to be honest with you, you and I both know that if foreigners don't know that, a lot of Americans don't know that. And a lot of Americans, to be quite frank, don't have the time to go that deep into the news. So when we have the propaganda arms of the Democrats, namely CNN and MSNBC, treating Schiff's comments, which he says now are a parody, as if it's live and direct news, fourth estate, neutrally reported news, that's a problem. And that is why he should be held accountable. So if you are in support of of, of how, holding the president accountable for every time, you know, he eats two scoops of ice cream and doesn't offer the person to his right any, then you should definitely be in support of holding Schiff accountable for what he just did this week. It was absolutely unacceptable and he shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. Now, I want to go a little little bit into this whistleblower complaint. Remember, I was reporting this to you long before Jay Sekulow went on Fox, but let's report what he has also shared. Trump attorney Jay Sekulow said on Fox and Friends, this was this morning, that um, Vladimir Zelensky, who's the president of Ukraine, and you got President Donald Trump. So this is where the, the story is located. Um, they were discussing a probe into vice former Vice President Joe Biden and the whole thing is fake news, right? It's fake news because the president didn't do anything wrong by asking them to cooperate with our attorney general. Anytime we give money to a foreign country and here's the news flash. If you're just joining the show, maybe you've never listened. Look, I support the president, but if he's in the wrong, I'm going to be the first one calling him on the carpet. He's not in the wrong here. That's why I'm not calling him on the carpet. So understand that about my integrity on this. I am not a blind Trump supporter. I don't blindly support anybody. That includes our father in heaven. I'm I'm in team Jesus because that's the only way to go. And I know that because my life has been changed. So let's let's be real about where I'm coming from here. And if you want to come from someplace real, hey, the Bible is for everybody. It's a buffet. Come get some. It's for you, too. But this on this issue, on this political issue, I want everybody to be crystal clear that if I'd read that transcript and saw wrongdoing by the president, I would be the first one trumpeting from these airwaves that he should be investigated, impeached, what have you. But that's not the case now, is it? Not only did he not do anything wrong, he did the same thing that every single president has done since we instituted that little thing called USAID. Every check we've ever written to a foreign entity has come with strings in the form of huge paper documents often emailed, but mostly in paper form, that those governments have to say, yes, we'll open our port to you for the next 30 years. Yes, we will buy so many soybeans, so many millions of tons of soybeans from American farmers. Yes, we will stop uh, these rebel groups from traversing through our country in order to get to that other country where you have a military base. Yes, we will stop supporting rebels who are actually bombing your troops in nightclubs on the weekends in Germany. I could go on and on and on because the list of things that we have gotten countries to agree to because we are the U.S. of A., and we have all the greenbacks that you can think of. We print them. We borrow them. We, we, we Whatever we need to do, because of that status, we are able to say to countries – you will do this. You will do that. And they say, thank you so much. We'll take the money. And, and sometimes they do what they've agreed to and sometimes they don't. And so the conversation the president was having with the president of the Ukraine was simply an extension of that. He did not say he was doing anything for the campaign. Nothing that he was doing was affiliated with the campaign. This was all surrounding already uh, underway investigations by our attorney general's office. So there, there's there's no news here. Now, why do we have to have this investigation? 
because the Democrats don't want Joe Biden, because today is Friday, because Donald Trump is still your president, because I'm still permanently tanned, because I still have a huge cowgirl boot collection. You name it, you pick it. That's why we have to have it. We'll be back in a minute. everybody, Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Let's get crazy! In movies, when someone at a party jumps into a pool fully dressed, everyone cheers them on and jumps in too. Just so you know, in real life parties, nobody jumps in after you. You just look stupid. Come on, jump in! Come on! Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. I'm Little Teapot, short and stout. Here is my handle and here is my spout. No, no, like this. When I get all steamed up, then I shout, tip me over and pull me out. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Roman Reigns. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh text and whatever but when you get behind the wheel give your phone to a passenger put it in the glove box just don't text and drive visit stoptextsstoprex.org a message from NHTSA and the Ad Council welcome back to Spacey on the Right All right, you guys, um, in order for me to get through everything, I got to try to make sure I don't head off on too many tangents because it's Friday and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to unplug, spend some time with the kiddos and get in the pew on Sunday. So first, let me get to this piece over here. Um, Breitbart is reporting about Seculo. He was on one of the shows today, Fox and Friends, as I mentioned, and he was talking about um, this witness. And so the witness basically starts off the complaint by saying that they have no knowledge of the events being depicted here and is basing the complaint on conversations that the whistleblower had with colleagues. And I think they're trustworthy. So I can tell you um, that I'm sitting here and looking like this and I work for the federal government and I could be the best employee in the world. And I could go to my boss and say, or go to the whistleblower agency and say, I want to form a complaint. And they say, okay, what's the basis of your complaint? And it's conversations I have with colleagues about something that someone else did. And they would laugh myself out of their office. So the only reason this works for this guy is because he's bringing the complaint from this law firm. So he has a law firm attached to the complaint and because he's complaining about President Trump. Let's reverse this. Let's rewind it back. Let's say it's, you know, any time during the Obama administration and some 
Republican has a Republican law firm drop up a whistleblower complaint that's based upon conversations he had surrounding an event he never observed. And I can tell you that wouldn't have made the news because no government agency or or whistleblower agency would have accepted that kind of a complaint. So why is it happening now? Because they hate Donald Trump and welcome to Friday. He's still your president. Why do I keep saying it? Because it drives people crazy. Their heads are popping off like Barbie heads. When I was eight, I used to pop the heads off Barbies when the Barbie's hair wouldn't style right. And or if I'd done, you know, I used to cut their hair. I would always get all worked up about something, cut the Barbie doll's hair and then regret it. And then I'd have to pop that head off and put another one on and hope that my mom would notice. So maybe I could finagle through good behavior or something, a new Barbie, because now I basically had a ruined head that I didn't want to use anymore because I cut all the hair off. So it's like that. I can hear the little heads popping off of the liberals when I say Donald John Trump is still your president, which is why I keep saying it. it it's for fun. So y'all enjoy it as well. Um, So this guy wasn't there. He didn't hear the conversation. He wasn't aware of what it said. And you would think that the whistleblower agency would simply request the transcript of the conversation before validating this complaint. But maybe I just don't know how the federal government works anymore. I haven't worked for, you know, long, long time since I worked there. So the phraseology, the end notes, the footnotes, according to Seculo, who is a practicing attorney, says this wasn't draft by, drafted by the individual. It was written by a law firm. And do you know what? The American people see it for what it is. Nobody has an appetite for this anymore. And I agree with that. But I also think there are enough Americans at this point who have been radicalized by CNN and MSNBC who honestly, all they want is for there to be a day where they can say they removed President Trump, which I, I just, I caution you, Democrats. I want you to remember That when President Obama was in office, we never impeached him. The Republicans never even talked about it. Yes, out in the netherworld, activists, radio hosts, anybody who wanted to talked about impeaching him. I didn't. Uh, What's that silence I hear? Maybe that's you trying to comprehend what I just said. So I'll say it one more time. I never talked about impeaching uh, Obama. Never. It was not my thing. I wasn't interested in impeaching him. I thought he did things that rose to the level of possibly, you know, maybe a little inquiry, but nobody was interested. None of the Republicans were interested. They didn't want to be associated with trying to impeach the first black president. So they held their guns. They kept their powder dry. They, they, they didn't load. Now here we are and the Democrats just can't stand it. They want to get rid of Donald Trump so bad, which by the way, who's president if Donald Trump is impeached and he's removed from office? Well, it's, it's Mike Pence. Mr. I don't have dinner with women who aren't my wife, Mike Pence. Mr. I quote scripture at every speech I do, Mike Pence. Mr. I'm in a Bible study, Mike Pence. Mr. Evangelicals love me, Mike Pence. Like, what do you think would happen if he was running and it wasn't President Trump? He wins, hands down. He kicks the seat out of the Democrats, whoever you run. You could run anybody. You could... You could run Oprah Winfrey. Mike Pence is stomping her into the ground ever so gently in the nicest, most polite way. So what do you think you're doing? I mean, what you should do is stick with a guy who will actually work with you on some stuff, except now you're trying to impeach him. So he won't. You know, that's your own making, though. You lay in that bed because you made it. So. Seculo basically outs this and we we went over this earlier in the week you have to listen to the podcast from a couple days ago after the announcement of the impeachment I explained to you how an organization in DC sprung up eight months after the president was inaugurated for the express purpose of enticing people who work in the federal government to become whistleblowers against someone in the Trump administration namely Donald John Trump who is still coincidentally your, your president this far into the show today so um so that that's that's what's going on there. And as long as we know that, then we're all on the same page as far as the truth. Now, I mentioned this um, administration proposal to lower the refugee caps. I want to go over that really quickly. Um, and do, this is news for the good of the order. And also so you're informed so that it's not only impeachment that you have heard about today, because you're going to hear about that on all the shows. I want to make sure you get some news as well. The administration is proposing a record low refugee admission cap for fiscal year 2020 of 18,000. Now, you might be thinking, okay, you were just talking about accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, uh, all of that. But here you are supporting this Trump administration proposal for a lower refugee cap. Here's why. Here's why I would support this as a Christian, because Anyone that we bring into this country, whether they are are a lawful immigrant or a refugee or a green card holder or an HB visa, you know, recipient that's coming here to work, all of these people, when, when they come here, we want to assimilate them into our culture. 
And the reason we want to assimilate them into our culture is because our culture is the best culture. It is the number one most sought after culture to live in. This is the number one place on the planet that people want to immigrate into. They want their children to hold an American citizenship. And another news item that I'll just quickly wrap into this story. The president has issued an order uh, restricting anyone who is a part of the Iranian government or their relations. So their wives and children, uh, their extended family from traveling to the United States to take advantage of our culture because Iranian mullahs and the people in charge actually they exert uh, a repressive influence over the Iranian people. They don't permit Iranian women to get educations. They don't permit Iranian girls to behave as American girls are allowed to do. They don't have any freedom or autonomy. They're not allowed to choose who they want to marry, etc., etc. But Iranian leadership likes to take advantage of American culture and the freedoms we have here while calling us the great infidel and the great Satan. They send their children here to get educations at our colleges and universities. They come here for vacation. They come here to shop. They come here to walk around among all of us infidels, to drive our cars, to breathe our air, to drink our infidel water. And the president is saying no more. Now, why would people who actually don't believe women should get education send their children to schools to be educated alongside American women? I don't know. And President Trump is saying you can't do that anymore. You don't like it. Change your culture. That's what he's saying. So. That connects up to this in the way that, according to this story over at CNSNews.com, the United States anticipates receiving more than 368,000 new refugees and asylum claims in fiscal year 2020. Of them, 18,000 would be refugees we propose to resettle under the new refugee ceiling. We also anticipate processing more than 350,000 individuals in new asylum cases. So these are separate avenues for coming into the country on parameters that are unique to those individuals. Now, here's why this is important. Again, I have to stress this because I know some people heard me say refugee cap Christianity and they're on the floor. Literally, it's like they're being tased. Deep breaths. Get up. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is important because we have a certain number of people here in America who live in areas where these people would be received. And that's not an infinite number of areas. So we only have so many people who can come into the country and be assimilated. When refugees and asylum seekers are brought into America and assimilated, they become a part of America, which means they have American ideals and values. So instead of coming here from some, you know, um, not so nice country, because I don't use the kind of language the president used, but I think you understand the euphemism that I'm referring to here. They come here from a place like Somalia. And instead of setting up mini Somalia, like they've done in Minnesota, they come here and they assimilate into an American community, begin to speak American. They retain some of their cultural values, the food, the the family ties. Maybe, you know, obviously a lot of people retain the names from their home country and they continue those in their family line. I have nothing against any of that. What I have against is that they come here and they still want Sharia law. They want to have the separate foods and the sep- like they can't try an American food. They can't go to American movies. They can't listen to American music. They can't attend an American religious ceremony. They can't admit that they're happy that we fly the American flag. That to me is one of the most telling ways in which you can see if a person has assimilated. The other is if they talk to you about their own people and they're referring to the people back in their home country. Once you become an American citizen and you become one of us and you hold American citizenship which is the most coveted citizenship on the face of the planet, and then you stand there in my face and tell me no one has a right to be here, that we don't have rights as citizens, that anyone should be allowed to come here, and that your people deserve more opportunities to come here. Well, last I checked, if you're an American and you're talking to me, I'm your people. So how are you going to look me dead in my eyes And tell me that your people from some other country who don't hold the same citizenship that you and I have, have more of a right to be here than I do. I'm going to hold up my military service and the military service of my husband, my father, my husband's uncle, my grandfather, my great grandfather. I'm going to hold up those military service items and I'm that's where I'm going to start. Then I'm going to go back to the fact that I'm descended from slaves on my father's side. So 
I definitely have ownership in this country and a right to be here. I'm sorry you just got here on the last boat from wherever. You still have the skid marks on your rear end from landing here quick and being accepted quickly by us Americans who are now your people. Don't tell me the people who are in your own country, your old country, which wasn't good enough for you to stay in, which didn't have economic opportunity and safety, which wasn't a place where you felt you could raise your kids. Don't tell me that's the place where your people live when you're standing here on American soil, breathing our good American air and getting upset because I have an American flag. Oh, please, please, please understand how the Holy Spirit is holding my mouth back while I'm sitting here. I'm telling all y'all on this radio show, this just happened to me a week ago. I was sitting next to a woman from another country. Talking about how we need to have more sympathy on illegal aliens because they're her people, even though she came here lawfully. And we need to let all of them in that we can possibly let in. It was nothing but God that held me back from unleashing hot volcanic ash on that lady and burning her to a crisp. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe she was sitting right next to me. And then the lady next to her was like, none of us have a right to be here. I thought, Lord, how did I get in this room? How did I get in here? And how am I just sitting here listening to this? Because I just thought I was going to explode. I thought I was literally going to spontaneously combust and evaporate in just like a a, a puff of cloud. So these are the views that these people hold because they haven't properly assimilated. They've not been assimilated. And in order for us to assimilate people, the number of people that we accept into the country under our asylum programs and our refugee programs have to be small enough so that we can go about the business of assimilating them. And in case you're wondering, assimilation takes longer than a week or two. It's not even a 10-year process. We know that because Ilhan Omar was brought here as a refugee at 14, and now she's in her 30s. She's been marrying more than one person at a time, as is probably the custom from her old place. And she actually thinks that she needs to turn this place into the old place. She thinks that even though her country is war-torn and a garbage pit, she should bring those same values and ideals here to America and spread them around amongst the rest of us. And the reason she's a member of Congress is because a whole bunch of other people from her homeland who have never been assimilated believe the same thing. So they are exhibits A through Z or one through one million and, and, you know, whatever. They are the poster kids for non-assimilation and what we have to make sure we don't do, which is the driving factor behind the Trump administration making this decision. And I, I promise you, somebody out there thinks I'm a racist. I'm sitting up here just as black as the day is long, but I'm supposed to be a racist against what? Somalians or uh, Hondurans or what? What? Like, who is it that I'm a racist against exactly for telling you the truth about assimilation and how it hurts us as Americans to have people in Congress like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib? It hurts us to let people into this country and let them live with us and breathe our air and live in our good high society and receive the benefits of American citizenship. All the while, they're pining away for the third world pit that they came here from. We literally rescue these people and give them access to everything in the world, every opportunity there is, and a chance to become a Christian. And what do they do? They spit in our faces. So to reduce the number of facial spit that we have to receive as Americans, we should place these caps and we should not only enforce them judiciously, but we should explain to every American who asks, why would you as a Christian support lowering the number of refugees assimilation? That's your answer. You will be asked, oh, our church has actually been sponsoring the refugees. Good. If you're sponsoring refugees, that means you're actually sponsoring them as a family. You're looking after them. You're inviting them to church. You're taking American culture to them every single time you interact with them you're helping them to assimilate good how many more of those families can you sponsor how much free time do you have usually it's a one-to-one type of a thing or even two or three families sponsoring one family it's it's labor-intensive work helping people to assimilate into America and it's so multifaceted it depends on what part of the country you're in it depends on how how big the family is that you're sponsoring Um, If they are a small family with just one child or if they're a family with eight kids or maybe they're a family that comes in and they've brought in a lot of other family members like cousins, aunts, uncles, which, by the way, the number one type of fraud for immigration that Somalians practice is that they routinely swap family members to get people into the country who have failed the asylum test otherwise. They basically say, oh, this is my cousin or this is my first cousin. This is my sister. That's what Ilhan Omar did. She married her brother to get him into the country. 
she married her biological brother to get him into the country while she was married to her actual husband who she'd had three kids with. And so to them, look, they want to come to America. Do you get it? Sometimes I just wonder for people who immigrated here lawfully and they're sitting up talking about their people from some other place, what other people are doing to get in here. Do you understand what it means to be in America? We'll be back. Okay, kids, dad's gonna teach you how to dance. First, spread your feet apart. Then, a pump your knee, a nod your head, shake your hips, and bite your lip ever so slightly. Now, with one hand in the air, point at people with the other hand. I call that the rock star. Dance like a dad. It's a great way to make a moment with your kids. Now, make a face like it just smells something bad. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.com. Org, brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Jill, why don't you tell the class what you did this weekend? Well, my dad and I went in search of some magical minnows and found a zillion of them in the stream from our lookout rock. Then my sister and I escaped from an evil slug king and went back to my super twig fort for safety. Then we told stories till it got dark and the Big Dipper led us all the way home. Whoa. Where were you, Jill? We went to the forest. It's not that far away. Ask your parents to take you and your friends to the forest this week. It's closer than you think. Check out discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. What if I could tell you that a full-blown wildfire was going to occur tomorrow right where you live? Tell you exactly which neighborhoods it would engulf and how fast it would do it. The first thing you would do is talk with your loved ones and make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a wildfire will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you make a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, Uglyville! Every ugly doll is unique. I'm Moxie. Bobo. Wait. Those close to me call me Slick Doll. Which is not his name. And every child is, too. They can be pretty lovable. That's why when you travel, you should make sure your child is in the right seat for their age and size. That sounds pretty great to me. Keep them safe by visiting NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Isn't that right, gibberish cat? <laughs> Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch snuggling, ball chasing, face licking, and of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Art Council. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right. Well, uh, <laughs> okay, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you so much for being here on a Friday. I know you guys could be doing anything else. So the fact that you're here on the live stream and um, podcast listeners, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening to the show and for your feedback. I do appreciate that. And um, I don't take it for granted. You have so many options to listen to and to watch um, on your Facebook and your YouTube, your your Periscope, um, or your podcast options, which that's our, our biggest audience so far. Um, actually, I don't know. Yeah. I think it is, but uh, Facebook is kind of roaring back right now, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, and then also, hey to everybody at StacyOnTheRight.com in the chat room. We have Chi, Aggie, Jorn, Cacti Forever, Chow, STL, what up, and Richard Layton, Smoke, and then me. 
Hey, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for being there. And you can always find the podcast episodes at listen.stacyontheright.com or you can go to stacyontheright.com where I also have them aggregated so you can listen to them there right on the website. And this can all be done from your phone, your laptop, your iPad. What do you have? A desktop? You can listen there too. All you have to have is some little earbuds so that um, snowflakes adjacent to you won't have their heads pop off like Barbies. Okay. <laughs> so... um we wrapped up that refugee story. Um, I want to just give you a little news blurb. And remember, I, full disclosure, I voted for Mitt Romney because he was the Republican nominee and the Democrat was unacceptable. And it, it is to my utter disappointment that the Republicans actually forced him upon us as the nominee um, because he is now l- l- listen to his connection to this Burisma story. And if you're wondering or if you're just tuning in, Burisma Holdings is the gas company in the Ukraine that placed Hunter Biden on their board to do nothing and paid him $83,000 a month, not 50,000 as was originally reported, 83,000 a month to sit on the board. And they did that as a favor to then Vice President Joe Biden, who threatened to withhold their aid if they didn't fire a prosecutor who was looking into swamp-like activities, which they promptly did. This is the former president, not the current president of the Ukraine. And when he fired the prosecutor, then Barack Obama and Joe Biden released the one, what, I think it's $1 billion in federal aid that they were getting, U.S. aid dollars that they were getting from the American taxpayers. And part of what they agreed to was to fire this prosecutor who was looking into Hunter Biden, among other things. And so that is what is going to be an investigation that's happening. So Mitt Romney's national security advisor in his 2012 campaign, remember the 2012 campaign where we were all forced to vote for Mitt Romney or vote for a Democrat? You guys remember that. It was a, it was a sad time for us as Americans, as as Republicans, as conservatives. Um, well, his national security advisor on his 2012 campaign was a career CIA spook who rose to its top levels, who sits on the board of directors of which company? Say it with me. Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company that formerly paid Hunter Biden $83,000 a month despite his complete lack of credentials or qualifications. Now, Romney wants to impeach President Trump over asking about the investigation of Burisma. We got played. I just want y'all to know that. I I don't usually try to spread all the, um, like the, if I'm feeling bad about something, I'm not going to say I want everyone to feel bad about it. But in this case, we own this together. All of us as Republicans for having this dude as our nominee. We own this guy. Not only that, but we saw fit as a people, a voting people, to send him to the Senate. Instead of telling Mitt Romney to take his quarter of a billion dollars that he sits upon and his 25 grandkids and his beautiful smoking hot equestrian wife and just go off someplace and enjoy himself. Instead of telling him that we sent him to the Senate where he is presently a thorn in the side of President Donald John Trump. Unbelievable. So I guess we'll just keep regretting that. In other news that you probably won't believe, but I'm still tell you anyway, The okay sign. When you take your hand and you stick your pinky, your ring finger, and your middle finger straight up, and you take your index finger and your thumb and you make them touch and you make this little sign, it's the okay sign. What you might be doing is you might be being a white supremacist. Even me. I like trying new things. So here I go. Boom. There's the okay sign again. Also, in other news that only pertains to this show, I got an email this morning and I'm not sure. I think I've gotten an email from this person before. So they're a legitimate person. He says he was overseas. He, he's still overseas. He was in France and he tried to show a, front, a, a co-worker, someone he was working with, my website and he couldn't get it. He could not pull up StacyOnTheRight.com. So he traveled to the Netherlands as a part of his trip. He pulled up StacyOnTheRight.com. It came right up. So apparently the French government has me blacklisted. I'm on some, you know, Facebook. Somebody, Google is cooperating to make sure that I can't have French people looking at my website. And I'm going to tell you something. Tonight after the show, I am going to look on my website um, analytics and see how many visitors from France I currently have because I used to have a pretty decent amount of traffic come from there. French people were looking at my blog. So I don't know what, like, what is going on here because, because I tell the truth about Islam. Don't hate. Don't, don't hate the truth. Always love the truth. Um, you know, seek the truth. Live the truth. Consume the truth. Get more of it up in you. So... um. In other news, there is, 
<laughs> there is another story. Um, apparently, Hunter Biden received an enormous giant-sized diamond from a wealthy Chinese businessman. Yeah. He, so he literally was just over in the, you know, the, 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 he was over in Europe enriching himself. He was enriching himself because his last name was Biden and his father was the vice president of the United States. And you wonder why we don't want to elect another Democrat. And also, aren't these the same people who are constantly railing about income inequality? How much income inequality is it that just like Chelsea Clinton got paid $650,000 a year for working for NBC and doing nothing? She literally filed three stories while she worked there, got paid $650,000 for the year. This Hunter Biden is getting paid around the same amount, 83000 a month. You do the math to do nothing, to sit on a board of an energy company when he has no experience in the energy industry. He has no gas company experience. He doesn't even have an educational background in that type of thing. He has no qualifications to sit on a board like that, yet that's what he did because he's Hunter Biden. But we're the ones who are supposed to make our carbon footprint smaller, stop flying and drive cars that are too small for our family so we can reduce our our carbon uh, footprint. And for what? They always tell you, do as they say, not as they do. Live as they say you should live, not as they do. I mean... Don't get me started. Don't don't let's go and start looking into the carbon footprints of Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris and Cory Booker and Bernie Sanders, the socialist, the socialist who's worth a million dollars and owns three homes and a couple of sports cars. Yeah, I said it because, you know, I don't actually care what he owns. I care that he's constantly telling us what we should have. I'm fine with you buying whatever you want. You can own five mansions like the Obamas. Just don't fix your mouth to tell me what I can have. Because we're just like an average everyday American family living over here and in, in amongst all the millionaires. Because remember, Putin said being an, uh, being a millionaire in America is not that big of a deal. You guys have just hundreds of thousands of millionaires there, which is true. I don't think we think about it like that, but that's the way he sees it as the president of Russia. So, you know, we're over here doing what we can do. And if we want to use energy, if we want to drive gas guzzlers, if we want to own a boat or have a, a house that has way too many thousands of square feet for the number of people who live here, that is our business. That's our business. Let us do, let, look, worry about yourself. Let me worry about myself. If, if we can pay the, make the energy bills over here, um, you know, we recycle, get off our backs. We as Americans already have more square footage per person um, than other wealthy westernized nations. In fact, that brings me, that's a wonderful segue to our next story. So just facts. I've shared stuff from them before. They are so good. Um, they have a new research report out and this is like, this is the, this is where it's at (laughs) to go back to that song from the eighties and the nineties, the poorest rich nation. That's the title of this groundbreaking study. The study shows that after accounting for all income, charity and non-cash welfare benefits like subsidized housing and food stamps, the poorest 20% of Americans, not the poorest 1%, not the poorest 10%, the poorest 20% of Americans consume more goods and services than the national average for all people in the most affluent countries in the world. Not in Europe, not in the Eastern hem- or Eastern Hemisphere, not in the Northern Hemisphere. Not Do you hear what I just said to you? I said, uh, the poorest 20% of Americans consume more goods and services than the national averages for all people in the affluent countries, most affluent countries. This includes the majority of the countries in the prestigious Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD nations, including the European members. In other words, if the U.S. poor were a nation, they'd be one of the world's richest. So, Let's put a pin in it right there and have a caveat. If someone is living in abject poverty in the United States and they're receiving everything that they have from the U.S. government, you know, food stamps, uh, monthly rent, you know, subsidy, whatever, and they're using government health care, and we compare that to someone who is living what is considered to be a working class or middle class lifestyle in a poor nation in on the continent of Africa, like Uganda or someplace like that, well, they, that poor person would feel that's an unfair comparison because 
as people, we don't sit up at night and think, I'm not doing well. I can't believe how, you know, horribly my work is going or I, I, you know, I was just let go or what have you. We don't say because someone in Uganda is doing better than me or someone in Uganda is doing worse than me. As Americans, we look around at other Americans and we compare ourselves. But that in and of itself is yet another reason why. Let me just circle back one more time, please, which is why it's so important to assimilate. Because you would not be comparing yourself to someone in Somalia, now would you? Because someone in Somalia doesn't even have indoor plumbing. They don't have paved roads. They don't have rights. In America, you're comparing yourself to other Americans. So, of course, the poorest 20% of our people would be more affluent than people in other countries that are, on the whole, poorer than we are. But this goes even further than that because it's the poorest 20% of Americans compared to the richest people in the world. Now, I don't remember what episode it was. I would have to go back through one of my show binders and flip through and see if I could find it. We had someone on from the Heritage Foundation, and we were talking about their report that um, on average, um, so first of all, poor people in America have dishwashers. Upper class people in Europe don't have dishwashers. Poor people in America have 24 cubic foot capacity refrigerators. Rich people in Europe have a 12 cubic foot capacity refrigerator. And on and on it goes. Poor people in America have cable, air conditioning, and, you know, 1,200 square feet. The average square footage of a home in America is like almost 1,000 square feet bigger than the average square footage of a home in the most highly developed westernized nations in Europe. So no matter where you go or what your metric is for comparison, Americans have more of it. We have more land. We have more square footage. We have more money. We have more disposable wealth. We have more assets. And we have more access to goods and services, even if we are impoverished. And that leads me to another show that we did where we did a whole segment. We did two segments on the average amount of money that a person receives if they are 100% welfare dependent. In the state of Missouri, I think it was like over 50000 In Hawaii, the if you're getting everything, you make sixty eight grand a year. The median per capita income in the United States for a family of four is, I think, 58000 It's gone up from fifty four. To 58,000. The median, meaning half of Americans earn less, half earn more. 58,000. That was the last time I checked. It might even be higher than that now with our booming economy, growing GDP, and everything that's going on with the, with the tax reform package that was passed by President uh, Trump or signed into law by President Trump. So, what am I trying to say here? Well, it's not that being poor in America is a cakewalk or that you, you would be happy to be poor. But if you had to be poor anywhere, or if you're poor and you were forced to be somewhere else, you would want that somewhere else to be somewhere else in America. Because being poor in America is actually a few standards of living higher in other countries. And these are the norms that these people have accepted. It's a part of their life. And you you know why they have such low norms and low standards? Because most of these wealthy westernized nations that we're comparing ourselves to in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Oh, I really got to get that faded in better. Um, most of these countries are socialist. So they practice socialism and capitalism together, and that's why they have less. Ah, it's a whole nother show. Come on. Happy Friday. Get in the pew this weekend. Back with you on Monday. God bless.